Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. Every week, we discuss issues including gender and race. For Black History Month, we're looking at some of the concerns the nation is grappling with, including social class conflicts and economic inequality. We're joined by University of Kansas professor Randall Maurice Jelks, who has just come out with a book called Letters to Martin, Meditations on Democracy in Black America. It includes his thoughts on contemporary problems in the form of letters to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We began by asking what the late civil rights leader would think of the state of black America right now. That conversation after this short break. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I think he pretty much foreshadowed and uh, uh, predicted uh, what this was going to be. One, that there would be like two tiers of Black Americans, uh, simply because the civil rights movement had opened up, um, you know, a tier for people like myself and others to at least um, be in, in zones and spaces that previous generations could not be in. And so he pretty much foreshadowed that. Wait, let me let me go back and ask you, what what do you mean by zones that that other black people couldn't be in? Well, I mean, you're on television. I'm a university professor in a predominantly white institution. I mean, overwhelmingly white institution. So those are spaces that um, in 1967, 1968, when he uh, died, um, that that black people weren't uh, in. um, But uh, and so those those are opened up. And so I think he pretty much understood that uh, new levels of class politics were uh, at play. Um, I, I say this based on his uh, speech, um, the last speech on April 4th, 1967, uh, Beyond Vietnam, uh, and some of his unknown labor speeches that he, you know, quite worried about uh, the kind of uh, crumbling infrastructure around Black communities and so forth. I'm curious. What made you write this book, and who is it for? Well, so, so that's a great question, and thank you for asking it. Uh, I wrote this book, uh, I, when I write, uh, like uh, I, I like to think of myself like a, a Toni Morrison. I, I think of people who look like me, and I begin that. And I universalize people who look like me. So I wanted to, to make uh, that normal. I wanted to reflect about, uh, d- the state of democracy in the United States, not just uh, in the world. Uh, and uh, so I began to write this uh, shortly after uh, former President uh, Donald J. Trump was uh, uh, inaugurated uh, uh, in a speech I gave to students at uh, Elmhurst University just outside of Chicago on MLK Day. And I wanted to reflect about the state of democracy and the and, and why we should pay attention to the democratic institutions 
um, in, in a more expansive way uh, and in a more inclusive way. And I thought, well, who better to have a, as a foil than Dr. King? I mean, there are some great new books out by uh, Tomiko Brown-Nagan on Constance Baker-Motley, uh, Keisha Blaine about uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, and my uh, friend Imani Perry about the South. But I wanted to write about a, a reflection of democracy uh, to a larger Black community because I, I argue, and it's been argued way before I was born, uh, that central to America, what makes America exceptional is the Black American struggle. So for people that haven't read this book, I need to say that there are meditations on everything from freedom of assembly to police brutality to economic inequality. And since we were just talking about democracy, I wonder whether you think the meaning of democracy has changed since Dr. King lived. Uh, no, I don't think democracy at any moment uh, really changes. It's, it's just who is intended to be included Um uh, democracies have been uh, function uh, since ancient societies, whether it's uh, uh, the elections of elders to the, to the council or anything. So the, these these are perennial questions, and um, and that's why I wanted to to focus around that. I mean, and this is a global global question, uh, and again, that's what King anticipates. This is a global global question of, of democratic societies all over the world. These are all questions about uh, who gets to dictate uh, the lives of people. I wonder what you think of the Black Lives Matter movement. What would Dr. King think about that? And how do you keep young people, young black people, young people of color engaged in the struggle for equality, which we arguably don't well, have? <laughs> well, <laughs> We have more of it than, than my parents' generation. Let me say that. And I think that that should be said. Uh, you know, my parents were born in, uh, both parents were born in New Orleans, uh, in the Jim Crow South. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much the beneficiary of that. So I want to keep, keep some perspective there. Uh, Dr. King would think about the Black Lives Movement. Absolutely. Um, the, the thing about Black Lives Matter is how do you keep keep a movement going and what are the tools to keep the movement going? You remember the civil rights movement wasn't just at SCLC, the organization that King was head of. It was the NAACP. It was uh, the the NAACP legal defense fund. Um, It was uh, uh, core, uh, the Congress on racial equality. It was a whole lot of organizations and each had different kinds of roles. The, uh, to, to do the urban league, the national urban league, local urban leagues. So there, there had roles. And what, what young people have to understand is that there, there are moments of protest. And to sustain that protest, um, um, you've got to have political aims and goals, uh, whether it's talking about how to refund and reform policing in the United States. Uh, to other, other kinds of things. And these are slow, long grinds. We think of the civil rights movement at the 1950s, but really it's the 1930s that, uh, precedes all of these things. And it's important for young people to know that this is a long struggle. It's a joyous struggle, but it's a long struggle. You were writing about 
how Dr. Kim would be surprised that there are still so many bull cotters and about the level of attacks the black community continues to face. I mean, the, the Arbery case, you know, walking while black, driving while black. Do you see that changing or lessening at, at any point in the next well, few years? Of course, of course, if you go back to, again, I mean, I'm a historian and you go back, I mean, in, in the 19... 19- 20s, 30s, and 40s, there were cases that never got, people never got convicted um, for killing Black people arbitrarily, uh, out of jealousies, uh, out of uh, hatred. And and so we we can be, uh, we, we have to say, look, in the Arbor case, uh, people were convicted. It, it's not perfect. It doesn't uh, hold the, the trauma from past, uh, from Trayvon Martin and, and, and so forth. Uh, but people are aware now, uh, and it's, it's, it's terrible. It's at the, on, on the backs of young people, um, and, um, young black people and particularly young black men and women, um, from Breonna Taylor and on. So I think, I think we have to, the Black Lives Matter has made a, a, a difference, but we have to make the difference at the court level. Uh, still, there's the Supreme Court ruling, uh, the Connor case uh, at the U.S. Well, you know, if a police officer thinks uh, he or she is in jeopardy, they can, you know, shoot somebody. Well, it, that's the case. But we still have a lot more uh, uh, reform and fighting to do. And that's just, that's just a reality. But that's a good reality because... It means that we're we're democratic at the core. Maybe the rest of the country may not be, but we are at the core a democratic folk. And I need to say for people that don't know the case we're talking about, uh, Ahmaud Arbery is the black man who was chased down and killed while jogging in suburban Georgia. And uh, Mr. Jokes, I want to ask you one more question. It sounds like you'd think the state of black America is improving, but there is still some distance to go. Oh, I don't like to think of it this in a, just a, a sort of linear progression, um, but I think black people have power, and I, you know, one of the things that that, that I bristle at uh, is that black people don't have power. Uh, I've been fortunate enough over an academic career to be able to teach in uh, Ghana, Germany, uh, the Czech Republic, and what I am struck by. Uh, is people taking my courses on African-American history in the 20th century or some topic on 20th century and wanting to understand how black people amass uh, the power to resist, uh, to resist, um, um, uh, and, and also how black people learn from other people who were resisting <clears throat> tyrannical forces. Uh, so it's important that we understand that we have great power uh, and great global power and a great global brand. And we have to figure out how to use that uh, in ways um, uh, that are advantageous to us. It's not, it's not the case that we aren't uh, doing some good things, but the overwhelming statistics of, of impoverishment, um, low rates of literacy, infant mortality, those are real. And those are real fights. And we have to we have to lead and build coalitions. If you can learn anything from uh, Dr. King is how to build coalitions with a lot of different people 
Uh, and that's what we're going to have to do. We're only 14% of the total population in the United States. So we're going to have to build coalition, but lead. And it is our time to lead. That was Randall Maurice Jelks, author of Letters to Martin, Meditations on Democracy in Black America. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more and listen up. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.